All right, quick question. How many of you in here are stay at home? You should all raise your hands. That was a trick question. Just kidding. <laughs> all right. So um, I asked Olivia if she would do the workshop with me this morning um, just to kind of give you um, a range. Um, you know, we're kind of each on the, on the opposite ends of the spectrum as far as staying at home. And, and so I thought it would be, uh, would be good if, if I gave you my, my end of the spectrum and she shared her end of the spectrum. But um, basically, um, I just want to start off just kind of giving you a little, a little history of, of where I've come from as far as staying at home. Um, you know, there, we can, a lot of times we'll consider a stay at home mom, but you know, I actually, um, felt, uh, a very strong pull and desire to stay at home. Um, I'm really early after Todd and I got married. So I've, I've been at home for, uh, almost 28 years now. I've been a stay-at-home wife and mom, but a lot of women will will be drawn to the home once they start having children. But for some reason, I just felt such a strong pull to be at home, and um, you know, and Todd and I really didn't understand too much of that because you know we are newly married. I don't I don't have any real reason to stay home. You know, I I um. I can, you know, I was working here at the church full time. I was a secretary here. And so we were in ministry. And so in our minds, it's like, why do you want to stay home when you can be at here at the church working with me? And, um, you know, we'll do ministry together. And, but I just really felt a strong urge to be home. And it wasn't until after I got home that I realized why I needed to be home, why the Lord had me to be at home. Like, I, I honestly, I don't, like to use this word, but I, I did not like to work. I, I hated work. I, I was miserable and I was working here at church, but I was just miserable. And I told Todd, I said, I'd rather eat peanut butter and jelly every day and be home than work, you know, and have, you know, a steak or whatever. And so, so it was a, it was a, the beginning of that processing through that was kind of difficult. It was very emotional. And, um, but when we decided to just go ahead and do that, I'm telling you, when I walked the first day I, um, I was home, I just felt like this is where I needed to be, that this is where God had me. And looking back now, I do realize that this, the, the reason that God had me stay at home was that I, it did allow me to actually be more involved in ministry. You know, um, even though I wasn't here, I was, I had the freedom and the liberty to go and minister with Todd, to travel, to, and then eventually five years later, Olivia came along. So, you know, I was able to stay home with her and homeschool her. And so I was actually able to work out of my home. So it was just a huge opportunity uh, for me to just really fulfill the calling and the gifts that God had placed on my life. Um, and so I began to understand why he had me at home. And so I just come from the perspective of I have been, this has been the season for 28 years for me. And for some of you, it's been a long season. For some of you, you're just now going into the at home, um, season. Some of you, you know, you're empty nesters or whatever. And so, um, I wanted Olivia to just kind of share a little bit of where she's coming from because um, well, I'll let you tell them about, you know, one thing that has really encouraged me. I feel like there's so many things that Olivia has overcome so much earlier in life than I did. I wish I would have, you know, had those breakthroughs at, at an early age, but, um, but it is what it is and, and God is still on the throne. But I just remember as a, when Olivia was growing, <laughs> growing up, you know, people would ask her, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you, what's going to be your career? Are you going to go to school? And so anyway, um, what was your response? Oh, yeah, well, I didn't really want to go to school, which I guess like, you know, I'm, I'm 20, I'm almost 23. So I grew up in the rise of the feminism culture, which is a, you know, some people feel negative about it. Some people feel positive. And so I always 
felt called to be just a wife and a mom. And I never really felt anything other than that. So as I was going through high school, a lot of people asked if I was going to college and I never felt like there was anything I loved enough that was worth going to school for and um, pursuing as a career because there was just like, I had things that I liked and things that I felt like I enjoyed doing this, but nothing that I felt like I could do for um, a long period of time. So, um, so I got married at 18, which is very young and I'm only, I'm only 23. So to say that is kind of funny, but, um, so I got married at 18. We were babies. I married my high school sweetheart. Um, and three months after we got married, we got pregnant. So it was kind of a, um, it was a, a shock. Um, it's kind of one of those things like I didn't even have my boxes unpacked in my new home. I hadn't even figured out how to be a wife yet. And I was having to decorate a nursery and go through the process of learning how to be a mom. So I was only 18. I didn't even know how to take care of my own self yet. And I had to step into the role of a mom. And so it was a very, um, emotional and, um, it was, it was a very hard, hard transition for me. It was, it was rough. Just gonna, just gonna put it blatantly. It was, it was very hard on me. Um, but once I finally became a mom, it was one of those things like I never felt like it was a hard transition for me. It was one of those things that felt supernatural. Um, I, I didn't mind staying up all night with a newborn and I, I just didn't mind it. Nothing about it bothered me. And so I did work while I was pregnant and I worked for the first year after I had, um, my daughter and, um, I kind of felt like Tanya, I hated it. I came home crying almost every single day and I worked here at church. So I had a great job. You know, my daddy was my boss. So it's kind of, I had, I had, a, I had it pretty good. Um, but I just hated it. And I, I hated the fact that I wasn't there for her first things and that I didn't get to be the one there for all that. My mom watched her while I worked and I only worked part-time, but even part-time, I felt like I was still missing out on so much of her life. And so I cried. I cried every day. My poor husband didn't really know what to do with me. It's kind of just like he'd stare at me and be like, I don't know how to help you. But it was one of those things that financially, because we were so young and we were just starting to establish our life and then we had a child on top of it, it was a financial burden that we couldn't, um, we couldn't take the financial burden of living on one income. And so after about a year, the Lord was very gracious and helped us figure out a few things. And so I was able to stay home and I've been home ever since. And, um, I have a lot of people ask me, so are you coming back to work at church? And I'm like, no, no, I'm good where I am. But, um, but I, I just, I've always felt like that's where I'm supposed to be. And it's been, um, I've learned a lot about myself in the last four years of being home. Um, a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. And there's been a lot of very, very low lows and some very high highs. But I feel like I'm just now really getting to the point where I'm starting to, to thrive in this calling because I've finally just embraced it fully. And so that's my own. And that's one thing that I loved about Olivia is even when she was a younger girl, um, and Pete, like I said, people would ask her, you know, what are you going to do when you grow up? Like, what are you going to go to school for? And what do you want to be? And she would say, she would just always say, you're just very secure. I, I want to be a wife and a mom. And it would take people back, you know, like, that's all you want to be? <laughs> and she'd be like, yep, I just want to be a wife and a mom. And we would put her through... We put her through dancing, piano. We allowed her to take all kinds of stuff to just try to see, you know, what she would maybe want to pursue as far as just her abilities and stuff in life. And she would always just say, I just want to be a wife and a mom. And I just loved the fact that she was so secure in that, in that call and in that season. It just, you know, um, she just was very secure in it. And so I knew that when the time came that she it wouldn't be easy because it never is. I mean, you all know that, right? But she was going to be just fine. And she has actually sur sur um, surpassed me in a lot of a lot of things already as a wife and a mom just because 
she's um like she said she's embraced it and she's she's just, she really is thriving and so that's why I wanted her to be a part of this workshop this morning to just encourage you that it doesn't matter how old or how young you are that you can thrive in the season that God has for you like we talked about last night our seasons may change but our gifts don't and God will God can cause you God can let you you can thrive in the season of life that you're in in your in your gifts because it's just because you uh it's just that's where God has you he has a purpose for us and that's um to be all we can be uh, and that's with him in our lives and so to say all that you know I asked Olivia can you tell me I texted her the other day and I said uh what are what would you consider are some misconceptions about a stay-at-home mom and then, of course, she sent me this list. You want to read off the list, Liv? Go ahead, read off the Okay. So this is what she came up with. Misconceptions about a stay-at-home woman. We don't do much. We don't work hard. It's easy. We don't need time off. We aren't allowed to have a bad day. It's not important work. It's not prestigious a prestigious career. We don't need company, and we don't need help. Now, is there anyone in here that kind of can agree that that is totally a misconception of being a stay-at-home, a stay-at-home woman, right? And you know what's interesting is that, you know, this list is timeless. Like, this is the same list that I probably would have come up with, you know, all the generations prior to her. So it's a very common list. I was actually, you know surprised that it was the, really the same stuff that is just a, the common misconceptions over the over the course of society and generations but the truth is that a stay at home mom is one of the hardest seasons that we will ever have right it's one of the hardest seasons that we'll ever be in it can be physically draining can i get some amens for this all right it can be they're too drained to say amen. It can be mentally draining, and it can be emotionally draining, right? Okay, that said, the stay-at-home season is also one of the most fulfilling seasons that you will ever experience in your life. Okay, so although it can drain you physically sometimes, you will have some of the most fun times in your life. Yes. Although it can be mentally draining, you will learn the most about yourself. You will learn the most about God and you will learn the most about others. And although there will be emotionally draining times, you can establish such a strong emotional connection with your children that it will carry over into you, into their adult years. And I am just so grateful that Olivia and I have that kind of connection, that we still have that connection, even in her adult years, even though I don't see her every day. Um, and we don't necessarily, we text almost every day, but even though we don't see each other every day, I, we have a strong emotional bond as a mother and a daughter. And it really just gets better as she gets older because now we have more and more of common interest as wives and moms. So, um, so how do I thrive in this season? And so I just, as I was preparing and thinking about what I just said earlier, the physical, um, uh, mental, and emotional, I thought maybe those are the three things that we need to kind of touch on tonight or this morning rather. So I just want to give you some practical tips concerning these three aspects the physical, the emotional, and the mental aspects of being a stay-at-home mom. Just some, t some tips that will help you thrive. It's not, all, it's not all of the tips, but it's some tips that can just kind of give you something to hang on to, all right? So we're going to touch on the physical first. We're going to touch on the physical. So to thrive in the physical aspect, I would say for me and to encourage you to see the Lord in everything that you are required to do. To see the Lord in everything that you are required to do. 
Now, here's the truth. We get in a funk from the constant duties that never have an end to them. Cooking, cleaning, laundry, repeat. Cooking, cleaning, laundry, repeat. Right? Cooking, <laughs> repeat, repeat, we're in a boat. You know, it's, we do, we just get, that can just be kind of like, get in a, you get exhausted from doing that. It's like, you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed, you don't put your slippers on, you put your tennis shoes on, and you run until you go to bed. And sometimes you go to bed and you forget to take your tennis shoes off because you have not stopped all day. So it can get um, physically draining. Now, again, last night we talked about purpose, right? That if we discover our purpose, then we will discover our gift. And so with that, I just want to encourage you that this has worked for me. It has helped me to ask yourself, what is the purpose of washing this batch of clothes again? What is the purpose of me doing that? What gift am I giving my family by washing this batch of clothes? And again, you know, we talked about this last night. A gift is not to share, like, I have this gift and I'm sharing it with you. No, a gift is I am giving you this gift. So it is, it is a, it, being a stay-at-home woman is in the, is a, it's a process of constant giving, right? So what gift can I give my family by washing this batch of clothes? I talk to myself at the washing machine. And I ask, and I tell, ask myself, what am I doing here? And so in my mind, I have to keep telling myself, well, I am giving the gift of nurture. I am giving the gift of love. I am giving the gift of security. I want my family to feel secure in the fact that they can go out into the world with clean clothes, that they don't have to put on dirty underwear or they don't have to put on dirty socks, that they will be clean and fresh and they don't have to be worried about that. That That is a gift that I am giving to my family. So again, here's the truth. The home does not restrict you from giving your gifts. It's actually a place where your gift can be given at its greatest level of purity. Think about that. It's where you can give your gifts at the greatest level of purity. You can't sugarcoat anything when you're at home. You can come to church and put on a facade, but you can't put on a facade at home. But So your gifts are given at its greatest level of purity. Because when you're doing something for your family and, you don't, and you're um, complaining, they can see it in your face when you're, you're taking care of them. They can say, I see that you're taking care of me, but I can see that you really don't want to do that. Right? They can read you like a book. Yeah, see. So think about the degree of mercy that you have to give when you're at home. Think about the degree of love, the degree of teaching, the degree of nurture, of patience that you give away during your season at home. It's an opportunity for you to give your gifts at its highest level. Yeah? And so I wanted to give Olivia an op. No, you're good. I'm still learning this one for okay. myself, so I don't think I really have much to. Okay. Well, I, I wanted to give Olivia an <laughs> opportunity still, still to learning. interject and give some thoughts about, you know, her perspective of that. And, you know, honestly, I feel like it will always be a challenge because you're giving and a lot of times not receiving anything in return. Am I right mm-hmm. by that? Yes. Yeah. Especially when you have a toddler. Yes. And all they they want is want. Yeah. I want this. I want that. I want mommy. I want this. I want that. So it is. No one is as brutal as a toddler. They are the most brutal level of human being that exists. Yeah. So it is one of the, um, the, uh, the season with the highest level of sacrifice that you have to give without expecting or hoping for anything in return. And so, you know, I think about Jesus when last night when I read that scripture that he said the Son of Man does not come to ser- to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so when we are when we are at home, that's the role that we fulfill 
up until the point of having to actually do what Jesus did. <laughs> but we do have to give our lives. And so to help you in that area to thrive in the physical, just remind yourself, why am I doing this? It's not what you do. It's why you're doing it. I'm doing it to be of serve, to give a gift to my family. And I want to read the scripture to you. It's Matthew chapter 25 and verses 31 through 40. This is a great mindset, especially to have when you're in the home. It, Jesus said this, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see the hungry? When did we see hung you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did, for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Do you see how that can connect to being a stay-at-home mom and wife? Yeah, I mean, it's like this scripture goes perfectly with, with our season. Is that good? All right. So we're going to move into the, on to the mental aspect of it. The mental aspect. How to thrive mentally. <laughs> All right. You ready? I have no idea. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> How to th thrive mentally. I believe that one way that we can thrive mentally is when we take time to take care of ourselves. Take time to take care of yourself. You've got to give yourself permission to do that. Taking care of yourself is not considered selfishness. Those are two different things. I'll say that again because some of you really need to hear this. Taking care of yourself is not considered selfishness. And I think the older generations have a harder time grasping this concept than the younger generations. Because we, we were raised in a society that you have to, you got to take, you forget about you. You work yourself to the bone to take care of your children, to take care of your family. You work hard. But here's the thing. If we don't take care of ourselves mentally, what good are we going to be for our family, right? And so what's interesting is that there are so many factors in taking care of ourselves to be healthy mentally. There's physical involved. There's social involved. There's spiritual involved. There's so many aspects. And so it's, it's important for us to really not what we do, but to give ourselves permission to say, okay, I need a break. I need to do this. I, I'm going to go get my nails done. You know, here's the thing. Your children are not going to feel neglected or abandoned because you are taking time for yourself. If anything, they will learn to be secure in who they are in Christ because you are taking time to take care of your temple, right? Um, you know, Jesus actually took time for himself. If you read in the scripture, the Bible says that oftentimes he would go away to a lonely place and be alone. You know, think about that. And, and if you continue to read in the scriptures, I, it didn't dawn on me that it was when some of the greatest miracles that would happen would take place whenever he came back from going out alone. Yeah. He would go away to take care of himself, to recover, to refresh, to refill, to reboot. And then he could, he would come back and he would do miracles. And I think that's good for us as moms. We need to give ourselves permission to take time for ourselves 
so that we can come home and do some miracles. Yeah? Would you like to share about that, Olivia? Um, I think you have such a very, Olivia has a really good, um, healthy aspect of this, of this, um, this concept. I mean, I wish I would have had the security to, because she's just so, she's so much healthier than I am at her age. That's all I can say. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I think that, um, self-care is becoming a huge uprising among women. And we really are learning that self-care is self-love. And the scripture says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you can only love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. So if you can't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. Um, and so, you know, I never felt whenever, um, like my mom and dad would go on trips, just the two of them, I never felt neglected. Sometimes I was jealous because they would go places that I would want to go because I love to travel, but I never felt neglected from them leaving like that. That was just never a mental connection that I made. And it's, which is kind of crazy because my love language is quality time. So you would think them leaving me, which is technically the opposite of my love language would make me feel neglected and it never did. So, um, whenever I first started becoming a stay at home mom, you know, it took a little while for me to get this, but like, you know, there's, there's certain things that I've learned make me feel better about myself and make me feel more confident and just make me feel good. And I'm just now starting to learn those things, what those things are. But you know, like I wear workout clothes every single day. Like I'm wearing jeans right now and I'm kind of crying on the inside because I hate wearing jeans. Okay. I brought a change of comfortable clothes to put on after this. Um, so it's like, I don't have to look good or stylish. I like to get dressed up sometimes, but I don't have to. That's not something that makes me feel good about myself, but I love having my hair done. And I get my hair done every six to eight weeks because I've realized that whenever my color is good, mama feels good. And I have no shame in that. And if my husband says, yes, we can afford it, you best bet I'm going to get my hair done because it makes me feel good about myself. And I like having my nails done. And I'm not going to paint them myself because it just chips off and it doesn't last. And I I don't have the time. If I sit there and try to paint my nails, my toddler's right up next to me and she wants me to paint her nails. And then that's not self-care because I'm not taking care of myself. I'm taking care of my toddler. So I get my nails done. I get my nails done every two weeks. And that's something that makes me feel good about myself. I don't wear makeup every day. I hardly ever go shopping because, well, probably because that money goes into my hair. But you know what? I prefer that. Um, And so I... Yeah, and Tanya gives me all of her clothes like this shirt. I shop Tanya's closet often. <laughs> but um and another thing too is um I love to work out. I um I I danced for 16 years, so I've always been a little bit more athletic. I've li- I like to sweat. I don't like to sweat outside, but sweating inside is fine. Um and so after I had Penny, I quit dancing and I felt like I really lost a huge um, part of myself because dance is something that I've always loved and I still love dance. My daughter dances now. And so I'm a dance mom and I love every single second of it. Um, but whenever I realized that that was taking care of my health was super important to me, I started working out and I work out a lot and I eat really healthy and I love doing it because for me, that's how I love myself and that's how I take care of myself. And I feel so much better whenever I leave the gym in the morning. I feel like I'm on cloud nine. I feel like I can conquer the world. And on the days where I skip a couple days, my husband comes home and he's like, maybe you need to go to the gym. And it's not because like, oh, honey, you need to go to the gym. It's not about that. It's about the mental aspect that it helps me with because I'm taking care of myself. And my husband has started to recognize that. So whenever I'm having a really bad day, he'll come home and he'll be like, do you want to go get your nails done? And I'm like, yes. Um, but I think that's just something that's so important that it doesn't, it does how you love yourself. Everyone's different. You don't have to go get your nails done every two weeks. It doesn't have to be something that vain or trivial, but loving yourself is so important because if you don't love yourself, you can't love your babies. You can't love your husband. You can't love your family. You can't love the people in your church. You can't love your friends. You can't even love the Lord because if you can't love yourself, you, there's, you can't love anybody because it's biblical. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so I just, I've learned that that's super important. And so I, I take the time to do things like that 
especially even more now because it's helped me embrace such a better mindset and it's helped me become so much better of a mom. Yeah, it's good stuff, huh? Yeah, it's good stuff. Good practical stuff. It's good practical stuff. Yeah, and Olivia was just sharing, and here's a scripture reference to that. It's Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. Jesus replied, you know, Jesus is the one telling us to love ourselves, to to take time to take care of ourselves. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So it's like Olivia was saying, the degree that you love and take care of yourself will be the degree that you will be able to love and take care of other people. You know, you can't give what you don't possess. And, you know, another, again, like Olivia says, whatever whatever you feel makes you feel loved and take care of yourself. Um, you know, I'm kind of... I'm kind of like this when it comes to exercise and it's hard for me to just stay consistent with that. But, you know, mentally, so that, so a lot of times I'm like this, but, um, I saw a professional Christian counselor a couple years ago and that counselor told me, cause he takes, he, um, he's a great counselor. He likes to cover all the aspects of your life. And so he said, well, let me talk to you about physical. Do you exercise? I hate when people ask me that question. <laughs> Because it just depends on what day, what the day is. You know, like some days I'll say yes and sometimes I'll say no. Most of the time it's no. But he said, Tanya, did you know that 20 minutes of cardio is equivalent to taking one Xanax? Now, I've never taken a Xanax, so I don't know what a Xanax is. But I'm telling you, when I do 20 minutes of cardio... I feel like I've taken something because I feel so much better after. And just 20 minutes, it's really not that much. It's just getting your heart rate up for about 20 minutes, three times a day. And so three, three, three days a week. I need three. Sometimes I need three times a day, but, but three days a week. And so anyway, this is just, again, it's a little, another little nugget so that you didn't have to pay to go get that little nugget from a, from a, um, a, a therapist. Um, 20 minutes of, 20 minutes of cardio yeah. equals one Xanax. I think another thing too is you have to, um, you have to be okay to fight for yourself. Um, not rudely, not aggressively, but you need to be okay to say no and be like, I need to do this for myself. And it will probably make your spouse uncomfortable. I'm blessed to have a very gracious husband. My husband loves me so much and he's so good to me. So I've never really had um, issues with him whenever I want to do something for myself. He normally is the one pushing me to go do something because he's like, you haven't done anything for yourself in a while. Um, but you have to be okay to fight for yourself. And you have to be okay to say no because you are worth it. And they have that saying, like, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. You know how true that is. It's, it's true. So you, you really, you have to be okay with saying, this isn't just for me. This is for me. So it can be for my family. Cause, cause after you, it's your family. It spills over. You know, I, I saw, I, I had, I don't remember who said it, but it was like, um, you know, it's like we're a pitcher and we pour out to everybody. But like, you know, you can fill up a pitcher and then pour it out. But then that pitcher's empty again and you have to refill it. But if you take that pitcher and you put it in a faucet of water and you just let it fill and fill and fill till it hits the top, as that water keeps flowing, it's going to keep pouring out. So that pitcher will stay full, but it also pour out and fill up everything else around it. So if you don't pour into yourself, constantly keep pouring into yourself, you're just going to empty. And everybody else is going to be full around you, but then you're just going to be empty. So if you keep pouring into yourself, it will pour out to others. It's not going to stop just you. So. Really good. Step. All right. We're moving on to the emotional aspect. Is everybody good? Are y'all getting something out of this? Are you feeling encouraged like you actually can? Okay, good. 
All right, so let's move on to the emotional aspect. So to thrive emotionally in the home, (laughs) how do you do that? We have hormones. We go through all kinds of hormonal issues, right? So we're, you know, so how do we thrive emotionally? Well, this is very simple. It's, well, it's simple for me to say. It's, it'll be more, it's for you to figure it out. (laughs) But pursue emotional health. You've got to make the effort to pursue emotional health. You can't just assume that you're going to just be okay emotionally. You've got to do whatever it takes to take care of yourself on an emotional level. One of the best gifts that you can give your family is your own personal emotional health. Think about that. When your child is crying and you want to cry too, but you can't, your emotional health is one of the uh, best gifts that you can give your family. Again, we are naturally hormonal by design. So sometimes it's hard to discern, is this the Lord or is this my hormones? You know, why am I crying so hard during worship? Is this the Lord or is it my hormones? You know, I have to look at my calendar and say, okay, because I don't normally cry for this song, but I'm crying for this song. So we are naturally hormonal by design. Add to the fact that we have past wounds, we have insecurities, we believe lies about ourselves. You know, if you add all that together and then some, I know I'm missing some, you know, we are really walking time bombs about to explode at any given moment. As a matter of fact, we're not time bombs, we're landmines that at any moment our children or our spouse will step on and things go boom, boom, right? And so... And they don't, ha- they have no idea what they just stepped on. Right? Right, Todd? Like, he's like, amen. He's hiding in the sound booth. So I want to encourage you to just do whatever it takes to pursue emotional health. There's so many things available to us out there, especially even as Christians, as women. I mean, the Joyce Meyer books, the you name it books, you know, there are so many books that are out there to help us to pursue emotional health. So, you know what? Find a book to read. There are books out there. Read them. There are, um, there are classes out there. Take them. If you have to go see a professional Christian counselor, go see them. Do whatever it takes to pursue emotional health. It's okay to see a therapist if you need to. I've seen them, and I think they're amazing. Yeah. So do whatever it takes. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Olivia? Um, I dealt with a lot of depression after I started becoming a stay-at-home mom. And I don't think it was because I was at home. I think, well, I say I think, I pretty much know that I had very bad po- postpartum depression, but because I was working, it was never really addressed. So it was one of those things that like, I just thought it was the hormone changes and it was going to settle. And then whenever I finally started staying home and I was alone with myself and with my emotions, I realized that this is more than just a small hormonal problem. And it's taken me almost two and a half years to work my way out of a really, really dark, dark place. And I can't even tell you what the trigger was, but whenever the light bulb finally went on and I went, this isn't normal, I'm not okay, I've never been this way before, I really, really started to try to work myself out of that hole. And it was so hard. Um, I have spent a lot of money and a lot of time with myself 
to figure out what was wrong with me. And I had a lot of, a lot of wounds and a lot of things that I had to work through. Um, I, um, you know, we had a lot of family things happen during that time. And so, you know, my, my dad's dad died. And then just a few months later, my mom's dad had an accident. And I think that was probably really what sent me into that hole even further because I was dealing with so, so much emotions and grief that I never had to deal with before. And so that's whenever um, I just really started doing a lot of research and taking a lot more time for myself. And um, depression is not something to mess with. And if you feel like your issues aren't just PMS, um, if they're constant, if you have a weight in your chest every single morning, if you can't look at yourself in the mirror anymore, if you won't let your husband touch you, if you won't let your family near you emotionally, go get help. I didn't go see a doctor because I waited too long and I just, I did it myself. I should have gone to a doctor. I should have gone to a counselor. I should have been on medication, but I didn't know, and my family didn't know, and my husband didn't know. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. And in the church, mental health is such a touchy subject. No one wants to admit that depression is real. Everybody's like, oh, you can just pray that away. No, 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 honey. Whenever it's a hormonal imbalance and when there's something actually wrong with you, no amount of prayer will get that away. You can pray all you want. But there are some things, there's a reason the Lord created medicine. Go to a doctor. Talk to somebody about it. Get on medication if you need to because that's okay. Not everybody needs medicine, but if you do, do not be ashamed of that. Because your mental health is the most important thing that you can, that you can take care of. It's so important. Don't do what I did. Don't suffer for two and a half years in a hole alone by yourself. Don't do it. Take care of yourself, please. I wish I would have gone to a doctor. I wish I would have talked to somebody. I wish I would have tried some sort of medication just to get me out of the hole enough to where I was physically clear-minded enough to start taking care of myself. It's hard to admit that you have a problem, especially a mental problem. It's hard to admit that you are mentally weak and mentally damaged, but it's okay. We should no longer live in a day and age where mental health is questionable to talk about in the church. That, should, that shouldn't be an issue anymore. And so if somebody tells you, oh, honey, just go pray about that, just walk away. Don't listen to it. Because so many people have opinions about what you should do and how you should take care of yourself and what's right for you, but they're not you. So how dare they give their opinion to you whenever they're not you? They don't know what you've been through. They don't know what you have to deal with. They don't know what kind of wounds you have that have been festering for 10, 15, 20 years. They have no clue. So don't listen to their opinions and walk away and take care of yourself. Yeah. I did. I did. You know, I've heard someone say you can't take all the bad credit for what your kids do, but you can't take all the good credit either. You got to give credit, some credit to God, right? But you know, she's right. And I think a lot of people are so quick to give you their opinions or to just assume that, um, 
what you're going through is an easy fix. You know, like they'll say, you're so emotional. You know, just stop being emotional. It's like, well, it's a lot easier said than done, right? You, you know, you, again, you, you don't know what's going on in this body of mine. And we, we are, we are, we have the, there's chemicals in our body. <laughs> you know, we are chemically balanced or imbalanced. And so we've got to take all of those aspects into consideration, not just the spiritual. The spiritual is of utmost importance because God is the one who can reveal those things to us as far as what is going on. And he's the one who can comfort us. And he's the one who can be, you know, the strongest uh, support system for us. So yes, we should pursue the, um, the spiritual aspect first and foremost, but we also need to pursue the physical, the mental, and the emotional. The, the Bible says that, um, uh, the Bible says, uh, what does it say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, it just left me. It just left me. You gotta give me more to go off of. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be made blameless at the coming of the Lord. And so it's saying, okay, you need to take care of yourself, spirit, soul, and body. That this is not just an option. Hey, if you want to take care of yourself this way, go ahead. No, you got to take, the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and man. He grew in every aspect of his life. And he's requiring us to do that as well. And so it's important for us to take into consideration all of these aspects for us to thrive. There's a reason that God created balance, and we need a balance in all of those areas in our life, not just to stand on our own two feet and to walk, but, but, in, but in the whole realm of our life, you know. And sometimes it's very difficult. It's very difficult. But once you establish that balance, when you think about a baby, once that child, when that child starts from walking to crawling, or from crawling to walking, and that baby establishes their boundary, uh, their balance. What do they do? They take off running. And, and you know, they fall here and there. We, tr I trip still as an adult, but, but for the most part, our balance is, is pretty secure and we, we're, we're sustainable, right? <laughs> Forget about clothes and sustainable environment. We, we're sustainable. So it's important for us to take care of ourselves. And, and really, if you think about the physical, the mental, and the emotional, these are all connected to the spiritual aspect. We've got to allow God to be the center of all three of these, these parts of our life. We cannot do it on our own. We need the Lord in those aspects of our life, right? And so I'm not, we're not saying, okay, only pursue emotional, only pursue mental. I'm saying that Take the Lord and your relationship. As last night when I was saying we, it's so important for us to connect with God, we put God in the center and he, he helps us. I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect and we're going to, we're not going to have problems, but he's going to be our sounding board and he's going to help us navigate through this life. He knows us better than we know ourselves, right? He's the one who created us and designed us. So he knows exactly what is going on. And so, you know, like Olivia said, yes, he may, he, you know, somebody may say, yeah, well, you need to go pray about that. But is the Lord telling you, the Lord may tell you, you need to go get some medication for that. And that's okay too. You know, it's like God gave us doctors for a reason. You know, I mean, God is the one, like Olivia said, he's the one who created medicine. We think we came up with medicine, but God is the one who came up with medicine. He just put it in our brains to come up with it, right? And so to pursue emotional health, and I have a scripture for that, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. And really, this is what Olivia was doing just now, just sharing, sharing her, um, her thoughts and her life experiences is just because she's been through it and God has helped her through it and she's been able to overcome those things in her life is able to 
share in that comfort with you. And so I want to encourage you that, you know what, whatever the Lord shows you that is helpful for you, don't be afraid to share that with other people. Because like Olivia said, we don't want to touch the mental aspect of things in church. We don't want to talk about mental health in church. You know, that's like taboo. It's like you're supposed to have the mind of Christ. Then why are so many women and people just oppressed mentally? We, we need to talk about that. We need to, I believe God wants us to talk about that. It's not taboo. All right. And so again, just remember the scripture when you're pursuing emotional health, that God it wants to comfort you. He wants to give you emotional health so that in turn you can share what he has, he has shown you and helped you through to be able to help others. Is that okay? Does that sound good? All right. Did y'all get anything at all out of this? Good, good. Is that help? So hopefully this will be helpful. So we are doing great on time. Livy, is there anything else you want to share? You're good? Thank you for, uh, for doing this with me. It's really good. Okay, so we'll close in prayer, and um, we're, we're doing great on time. So you'll need to be back in here for 10.15. We're going to, um, I'll release you. I think there's still a few snacks and coffee out in the lobby. You're welcome to do that. Take a bathroom break. Go sign up for the door prizes. We have some really sweet door prizes. And then be back in here for 10.15. How's that sound? All right, so let's close in prayer, and then I'll let you go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just come to you in the strong name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for your grace in our lives. Lord, as tough as this season of our lives can be sometimes, Lord God, we just want to give you thanks for this season of our lives because we know that you are here with us in this season. And Lord, that you can help us navigate through the season not um, and thrive in this season. And so, Father, I just pray for every person in here today, God, that as they continue to um, pursue you, Father, um, I pray that you would help us, Lord God. Help us to find the balance in our lives. Help us to find um, the health. Lord Jesus, you came to heal the sick. And so, Father, I just pray the physical aspect, that you would give us physical healing, that you would give us mental healing and emotional healing, whatever that may look like. Lord, we don't want to limit you to to how, to what we think things should look like in receiving a healing from you. And so, Father, we just want to open up our hearts to you and give you permission, God, to be real with us, Lord. And, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be real with you, Father, so that you can um, to touch us and help us in the deepest places of our lives. Lord, I pray your blessing on these ladies as... We continue with this conference, and Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bless them and speak to them and love on them and encourage them. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Well, you may be dismissed, and I'll see you back in a little bit. Thanks a lot.